No animals were harmed in the production of this program. All bets are off in post-production. When you need a private eye and times are tough, you may not have the resources to afford Mike Hammer, Candy Matson, Bill Lance, or Mr. Moto. So who can you turn to except... T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. Yes, T-Bone Stone gives you more value for your covert detection dollar. Today's exciting episode is called The Case of the Rational Catastrophe and stars Jake Vandebrake as T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. This program is brought to you by Biggs Messenger Service. We get your papers delivered so fast you'd think we invented time travel. Trust Biggs Messenger Service. We know a shortcut. As this episode opens, T-Bone is sitting in his office reflecting on the past month. I don't usually like doing divorce work, but Professor Pearson's wife didn't even try to hide her infidelities. And even though I had told Sandra White I didn't do insurance work, she wanted to send me easy money jobs by way of thanks for the work I had done on the MacGuffin Diamond Scam and the American National Labs investigation. Boss? You don't seem to have any expense receipts for that clown matter you investigated at the circus last week. This is no laughing matter, T-Bone. I checked all 15 clowns in that little car and none of them had any receipts. I couldn't see the receipt the mime had, so I'm sorry, Verda. But that lovely stuffed bunny I won at the shooting gallery will have to suffice. Thanks for that, boss. Mama and I think it's the cutest thing ever. I guess I won't worry about receipts then. The only other interesting case lately was a couple of weeks ago. There was a break-in at Crossroads City Fine Men's Clothes. The owner hired me when the police gave the case a low priority. The hoods that robbed the place got greedy and took the box of Bob's Donuts as they fled the scene. I had Billy organize a legion of kids to search trash cans for the empty box. One of them, an industrious little fellow called Stinky, found a box from Bob's Donut Shop in front of a residence on the other side of town. On a hunch, I staked out the place, and sure enough, the thieves were selling fine men's clothes out of their garage. Crenshaw gave Detective Edison the credit for the collar, and all I got was a sore back from sitting in my car. Hey, T-Bone, the script says it's time for a flashback. We've never had one before. How does it work? It's pretty cool. I'll show you. Here we go. I'll cue the sound man for a flashback effect, then continue with your line. Billy's here, boss. Send him in. But tell him it's a flashback, and not to say anything too current. Hiya, T-Bone. How's things? Still a little tired from all the work we're gonna be doing, but I bet you won't feel it at all. I'll be feeling chipper, T-Bone. That old saying that youth is wasted on the young is true. Billy will be working harder organizing the search for the donut box than I will by staking out the house and he'll be feeling chipper while I'll get a pain in my neck and back from sitting in my car. By the way, T-Bone, I'll pay off all the kids who are going to help with the search with a shiny new silver dollar each. And a fin for Stinky, the kid will find the box. And I'll even have a couple bucks left. Keep it, Billy. You and Shirley McMillan go to the malt shop and order a root beer float with two straws. Gee, thanks, T-Bone. You're the best. Since we're in a flashback, could you clue me in on the weekend series coming up for the Mud Hens against the Chicago Gray Sox? This is the announcer with a warning. 
It's against the Radio Rules Committee guidelines to reveal future events while in flashbacks. It's similar to the time travel paradox. It could cause quantum fluctuations to interact with Planck's constant. What? You aren't making much sense. What's a quantum fluctuation? It's what interacts with Planck's constant and triggers the Deutsch proposition. Oh, I see. It's all in the RRC's guidelines for radio coherence and consistency to create a harmonious and credible radio play. That's right. Let me think. Section 3, Article 14, Paragraph 2, Item 6.3, titled How to Avoid a Time Paradox. You've got a good memory, kid. Wait a minute, you two. You're batting the story, and I'm not even a part of it. Not yet, at least, boss. Remember, we learn from the best. Where did you come from, Verna? I've been here the whole time, T-Bone. Remember, a couple of pages ago, right after the flashback sound effect? Oh, that's right. This old flashback thing is confusing. I'm gonna cue the sound man to repeat the flashback effect, then, Mr. Announcer, take it from there. But T-Bone, what about the mud hens? As T-Bone and Verna return to the present, T-Bone makes a startling discovery. Billy wasn't here before the flashback. Why is he here now? I don't know, T-Bone. I feel kind of weird. Like I shouldn't be here. T-Bone, is this a quantum punctuation or something? Check outside to see if there's another Billy out there, and I'll rush out the side door before the RRC figures this out. No, Billy. I'll throw this to a break and leave the office. There won't even be a sound effect of the door as I exit. Go on, sound guy. Swell the music and throw this to a break before we all get in trouble. T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective is a very amateur broadcast theater production written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. As we return to the next act of the case of the rational catastrophe, T-Bone has left his office to avoid a confrontation with the RRC when he is approached by a couple of thugs. One of them grabs T-Bone and spins him around, and the other one thumps him on the back of the head. When T-Bone regained consciousness, his head was spinning like a kid's top from a cheap dime store. He remembered being accosted by two big lugs. He woke up in the trunk of a car with a black hood over his head. I don't know how long the ride was. But the car stopped, and I was muscled out of the trunk by the creeps and half-carried, half-pushed somewhere behind a sliding metal door. I was sitting with my wrists cuffed, and when they pulled the hood off my head, I tried to stand. Some sort of brutish hand pushed me from behind, forcing me back into the chair. T-Bone Stone. How long has it been since we last met? Not long enough, tough guy. Wait a minute. You're Leonardo Cantaloni from the Detroit Mob. I thought you had a comfy 6x8 cell at Penn State. I mean, the state pen. Very humorous, Gumshoe. I checked out of that particular institution earlier than the authorities expected. That's three four-syllable words in one sentence. I'm impressed. I thought your Neanderthal brain could only conjure up mumbles and grunts. Knuckles, teach our guests some manners. One guy thumped me on the side of my head, and I hit the floor. The guy behind me picked me up and planted me back in the chair. I guess I should have reserved the right to remain silent. Let me give you a suggestion, T-Bone. 
Think about your situation for a few minutes before you open your trap. Knuckles, get me a cup of coffee. I take mine black, Knuckles. I'd have Knuckles give you a couple lumps, but I needs you to be able to think when I ask you some questions once I have my Joe. Save it, Cantaloni. Billy's science project has already been poo-pooed by the automoguls in Detroit. It's of no use to you. I'm not interested in that kid or his science project. I've spent a couple of years in the slammer planning my revenge on that fat broad who got the better of me and my boys. You think I'm gonna give up info on Ellie? If you harm one hair on Ellie or Verna's head, I'll make it my personal mission to get payback. And with extreme prejudice. What makes you think you're gonna be in any condition to do anything? It's my show. I'm the headliner here. I always bounce back. You ain't never met Knuckles and Leadfoot. Well, if you do manage to get your information, could you do me a favor and don't call Ellie fat? There's no need to hurt her feelings. I'll call that broad anything I please. Before we continue, what's going on with your thug associates? You have Knuckles and Leadfoot roughing me up. In our previous encounter, your ruffians were Twitches and Momo. Wait a second. There was Mad Dog, too. Well, Twitches and Momo are working on the Junior District Attorney Show this week. Mad Dog gave up the business and went back to work in his brother's butcher shop in Tulsa. That's too bad for Mad Dog. He had a good voice. It's a shame he didn't have any lines. But back to the narrative. Yeah, we wouldn't want the RRC to have our microphones muted. Talk about extreme prejudice. Speaking of extreme prejudice, why don't you down that coffee? I hope it burns your tongue. You ain't getting nothing out of me. Don't be too sure, Peeper. Knuckles and Leadfoot are real good at getting information for me, if you catch my drift. One of the two hoods produced a leather pouch and opened it up on a nearby table. It contained what looked like stainless steel surgical and dental instruments. To keep the audience from hearing the screams of terror, why don't you throw this to a break? Yeah. You guys are gonna be shrieking like little girls when I get out of these cuffs. Billy is still at T-Bone's office when Verna speaks. Billy, where do you think T-Bone was off to? I don't know, Verna, but I'm sure that he's in some sort of peril. Peril? What do you mean? I'm not sure. That flashback really messed me up. Maybe he's going to get into some kind of peril. What can we do, Billy? I think I'll hoof it over to see Detective Crenshaw and find out what he thinks. That's downtown. Won't it take a while to get there? It won't take me long at all. I know a shortcut. If T-Bone wanders in here, call Crenshaw. Okay, Billy. I hope for T-Bone's sake it's a good shortcut. Only the best, Verna. Only the best. By the time the music fades, Billy is in Detective Crenshaw's office. Well, Billy, what can I do for you today? Detective, sir, I think T-Bone is in trouble. Why do you say that? Is it your celebrated Billy senses at work again? I'm not sure. I've never felt them this way. Really? Tell me about it. Well, I don't know where to start. Have you read the script for this episode? Of course, Billy. Then you know we had a flashback scene. 
Yes, I wondered how it would be done. Well, I wasn't in the office before the flashback started, but entered after it began. Okay. We did our lines, and T-Bone ended the flashback. Then we returned to the present, and I was still in the scene when I hadn't been there before. Could it be a glitch in the quantum fluctuation? How could you possibly know about that? These are the kind of things you have to know when you're a police detective. Was there another Billy around? I don't remember seeing one. Good. Then you didn't interfere with the Planck constant. Trust me, you don't want to trigger the Deutsch proposition. Oh, heaven forbid. But what about T-Bone? I still feel he's in certain peril. One thing at a time, Billy. If there was a problem, the Radio Rules Committee would be on us like marinara sauce on pasta. Yummy, now I'm hungry. But what about T-Bone? I'm getting to him. Do you think your Billy senses can locate T-Bone? Of course. Good. Then I'll get a couple of squad cars and you can lead me to where he is. Are you sure he's not back at his office or at Java Jake's? No, sir. I just left there and I asked Verna to call you if he returned. Let me call Sergeant Rodriguez. He'll have two squad cars ready to go by the time we get downstairs. Sergeant Rodriguez? I need two black and whites ready to go. I'm going on a little manhunt for T-Bone Stone. Thanks, Sergeant. Do you want to throw this to a break to give us time to get on our way? I'd be honored. Sound man, swell the music and throw this to a break. T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, is a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Biggs Messenger Service. Our employees move so fast they can't be seen by the human eye. Secure, supersonic service? That's Biggs Messenger Service. We know all the shortcuts. As we return to the next act of the case of the rational catastrophe, Billy is guiding Detective Crenshaw and a couple of police cars to T-Bone's location. We're close now. Slow down and turn left at this alley. This is Rooster Booster calling Henny Penny and the Little Chickens. Come in. This is Henny Penny. I read you. Over. According to Billy Willie, it's down this alley wally. I mean alley. Come in silent and send two guys around the back once we know the target building. Over. That's a big 10-4, Rooster Booster. Over. Do you see the target, Billy? That Quonset hut, right there. Are you sure, kid? Except for that mud hens thing, which you totally misunderstood. Have I ever been wrong? Penny Penny, it's the Quonset hut just beyond where I'm parking now. Over. Roger Dodger, Rooster Booster. Over. (sighs) Everybody's a clown today, Billy. Here's how it's gonna happen. You stay in the car while we check the place out. I do not want to face your mother if there is a problem. I'll get out of the car and lead the assault. Roger Dodger, Rooster Brewster. <sighs> Sergeant, Ryan and McCluskey covering the back? Yes, sir. They're on the way now. The rest of you follow me. Sir. This door next to the sliding door seems to be unlocked. Good. We'll use it. The sliding door will be too noisy. Follow me, boys. The whole operation only took a minute or so. All right. Everybody freeze.
Crenshaw, there's a guy escaping out the side door. Take care of these thugs. I got him. This is the announcer speaking. I'll interject here that Crenshaw ran outside and saw a thug on the ground next to his own police cruiser moaning and holding his right leg. Billy was sitting in the car grinning. Billy, I told you not to get out of the car. I'm gonna cuff this creep, and then you can tell me what happened. I didn't get out of the car, Detective. Honest. Then how'd this guy end up here? I saw him run out the side door and sprint this way. He looked back and I just opened the car door. I opened it with, as T-Bone says, extreme prejudice. Go on inside and see how T-Bone is. It looks to me like he's been beat up pretty well. I'll call for an ambulance and a paddy wagon. I don't want to see T-Bone if he was beaten up. I'll have the sound man swell the music and fade it back down when he's feeling better. Sound man, swell the music and fade it back down when T-Bone can narrate. We return to the case of the rational catastrophe and the next act of T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. As we return, T-Bone has entered the office of Dr. Klaus Gruber. Dr. Gruber's office was understated. The receptionist's office had a couple of filing cabinets and a shelf with simple knickknacks on it. Behind the desk was a middle-aged secretary wearing thick glasses. Do you have an appointment, sir? Why, yes. Detective Crenshaw of the police department made an appointment for me a couple of days ago. My name is T-Bone Stone. Let me see. T-Bone Stone, yes, you have an appointment. That's why I'm here. Oh yes, I see. Just a moment, please. She looked at her desk calendar and handed me a clipboard and a pen. Please fill out these standard medical questions. The doctor has already gotten the report from the police department. Crenshaw had told me to get to the office early. There would be paperwork from the doctor for me to fill out. I filled out the form and handed it to the receptionist. I read about your incident. Are you doing better? I guess better is a relative term. I feel fine, but Detective Crenshaw tells me I have to be passed by a shrink before I can get my private detective license back. I hope you pass. She picked up the telephone and quietly spoke, then set the receiver down and said, The doctor will see you in a few minutes, Mr. Stone. Please, call me T-Bone. And what can I call you? My name is Anna. After a moment, I noticed a manila envelope lying on her desk. Anna picked it up and opened it. Excuse me, I must file this right away. That envelope wasn't on your desk when I came in. You must use Big's messenger service. Yes, doesn't everyone? Did you just sneak in product placement? I smiled because I got the product placement in. Then I noticed a little red light on her phone turn on. She picked up the receiver and listened for a moment. Yes, sir, he's here. Yes, he's filled out the form. Yes, he did his product placement. You may go in now, T-Bone. I opened the door and stepped through. The floor was carpeted so the sound man didn't have to add any footstep effects. I handed the clipboard to the doctor who was standing in front of a plush easy chair. Good day, Mr. Stone. I am Dr. Klaus Gruber. You can call me T-Bone. And what can I call you? You? can call me Dr. Gruber. Please, have a seat and get comfortable while I look at your paperwork. I sat down and looked around. The office was simple with a few paintings of pleasant landscapes hanging on the walls. A desk in the corner sat next to a filing cabinet. The doctor was dressed in a dark blue double-rested suit with a vest. He wore a monocle on his left eye with a dark cord clipped to the collar just below a black bow tie. 
Debon. You seem to be in excellent physical health considering the issue you have with the escaped prisoner. Detective Crenshaw spoke with me as to why you are here. First tell me something, Doctor. Are you a psychiatrist or a psychologist? What? Why do you ask? Because if you tell a psychiatrist you hate your parents, he will ask you, why do you say that? But a psychologist will say, thank you for sharing that with me. I'll have you know, Mr. Stone, I studied at the feet of Sigmund Freud. The feet of Sigmund Freud, you say? What kind of shoes did he wear? Shoes? Don't be absurd. I have no idea. Then you must not have been very observant. I prefer a wingtip myself. Wingtip? Are you crazy? You're the doctor, Doc. That's for you to know and me to find out. All seriousness aside, what would you say if I told you sometimes I say one thing but me my mother? I would probably call it a Freudian slip. So that's why you don't know what kind of shoes he wears. You were fixated on the slip. Well, what kind of slip did Freud wear? Mr. Stone, you are trying my patience. I'd be happy to, Doc. But how can I try them if I've never met them? Never met who? Your patience, Doc. When can you introduce us? I have no intention of introducing my other patients to you. Well, you're the one who asked me to try your patience. I never said any such thing. Sure you did. I can play back the recording for you if you don't believe me. I just don't know what to do with you. Don't do anything, Doc. Why don't you tell me about your relationship with your father? Were you afraid of him? Afraid of him? Why would I be afraid of my father? Because he was never there. He abandoned you. And your mother. He never abandoned us. He owned a half-prow in Budapest. I thought you were Austrian. Come on, doctor. Get your story straight. But I am from Austria, not Hungary. You're not hungry? I'm starving. All this talk is making me famished. Famished will have to wait. You haven't even taken the Rorschach test yet. He produced some cards and handed them to me. Now, T-Bone, tell me what you see in each picture. A nun with wings. Two waiters. A giant insect. Two rabbits. An iguana climbing a Christmas tree. A map of Denmark rotated 40 degrees to the left. And two crabs dancing a tarantella. Very interesting. This proves one thing, T-Bone. And what's that, Dr. Gruber? That you are nuttier than a fruitcake. I'm not the one with the crazy pictures, Doc. But right now, I'd better throw this to a break. Throw this to a break? Now you're having a delusion that you are on a radio program? I'm not the one with the delusions, Doc. This is a podcast. So there, sound man, swell the music and throw this to a break. We return to the case of the rational catastrophe in the next act of T-Bone Stone, the Discount Detective. As we return, it is the following day and T-Bone had just been escorted into Detective Crenshaw's office. Well, T-Bone, how do you feel today? Detective, I feel like a June bride. Yeah? How does that feel? I wonder, Detective. I wonder. Enough small talk, Stone. I have the results of your visit with Dr. Gruber. What sort of drivel did the good doctor put in his report? He says you were pretty defensive at first, but the results of the Rorschach test confirmed that you are... completely nuts. Completely nuts? Just kidding. 
He says you're not suffering from delusions or illusions of grandeur, but he has one bit of advice for me. And what's that? He said, and I quote, Give him back his private detective license because I don't want to see him again. He's crazy, nuts, ferrucht, unquote. You've been listening to T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. Also starring Gloriana Spicer as Verna Gibson and Rick Ice as Detective Crenshaw. Additional cast members are Ernie Wilson as Leonardo Cantaloni and Dr. Klaus Gruber, Paula Morris as Anna Conkle, and Emmanuel Martinez as Sergeant Rodriguez. The Case of the Rational Catastrophe was written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. Be sure to catch our next show when T-Bone Stone says... A proposal to build a bridge from Tierra del Fuego to the South Shetland Islands across the Drake Passage, a wolfbane leaf, and three half-gallon cans of aubergine paint spell uncertainty in the case of the unusual side effect. This episode has been brought to you by Biggs Messenger Service. For safe and speedy delivery of your documents, choose Biggs Messenger Service. When it absolutely, positively has to be there yesterday, Biggs has you covered. The art director is George Venegas. Music is by Fezlian Studios. This is the announcer speaking. Polly Posey likes her clam chowder with lemon. Lemon. What?